And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Good morning, everybody. This is Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. I decided to give the boys a day off. Since I turned your 401k into a 201k. <laughs> you know, inflation is transitory. You didn't buy that story. And yesterday, my pal, Powell, that's what I call him, pal Powell. Don't say that too fast or my teeth fall out. Uh, my pal Powell says that the economy is strong. We have the best economy ever, even though it shows zero GDP growth for the second quarter. So you're not buying our lies anymore, so the boys have had a breakdown. Welcome, everybody, to Financial Fitness Friday. I've been working on that. <coughs> that really hurts. It shows. <laughs> you got to get that nasally Brooklyn-y yeah, kind of thing going. Yeah. He got the head a little uh, head waggle too. Did you That's good. did you believe that Janet Yellen was here, Danny? She's not. Okay. <laughs> News to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a week! She seems to be everywhere though. She's everywhere, and she's touting the lies, lies. There's no other word for it. Either they are completely clueless, and don't tell me that part of this market derail doesn't happen to do with the fact that the market has lost faith in the executive branch and the Federal Reserve. Yeah, I understand the other things going on, but you cannot tell me these sour animal spirits are because the Federal Reserve and that executive branch have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to the economy. Well, data comes out, and then they... they right afterwards will say something completely opposite of what it would suggest. Completely opposite. So anybody that can read or understand, you know, what's going on, use a little bit of common sense, says, wow, maybe this just isn't right. And when you have somebody who's supposed to be an official, who's supposed to be guiding us through these times, and they're saying something completely different, that's that becomes an issue. So... You know, th those are things that we're going to have to continue to watch and monitor. But I, I agree. I think you have lost a lot of faith mm -hmm. in what's happening at the moment. Yep, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I also think that, you know, listen, we all know that investing is also <clears throat> emotional. And there's got to be a positive animal spirit. And if we just heard the truth once, just once, Maybe things would <clears throat> calm down a bit, but I don't think we're going to hear it, Danny. And you know what? Like to your point, we're so immersed in the data. When they mm -hmm. say things like that, it's enough to give you hives. It, it really is. I mean, it, it, there's one thing about being uh, poetic with words and working around things and word salads. And there's just one thing to be blatantly dishonest, which is what we're getting right now.
Well, we are, and, and, and it's unfortunate because this is an opportunity that they could have had to lead and to provide that true guidance. And look, you know, I, I tell everybody, I do not envy the Fed's position, the Treasury Secretary's position, any of these people. And it's tough, and it's very easy to be yeah, a but you know, Monday morning quarterback. F their position because they had plenty of time. How many times did, did Michael and Lance write about how many times did Yellen have opportunities to raise interest rates. Through the whole pandemic, they didn't see all the speculation, Decentraland, all that junk that we saw that we knew and we were warning clients last year. Next year is going to be different. Well, let's face it, though, that's not Yellen's job anymore. Yellen had the opportunity back in, you know, from what, 2015? Well, that's what I mean, but she didn't do it then. Yeah, but now you have Powell who seems to be, you know, we thought he was going to be different. I think 2018 showed that he wasn't. Uh-huh. So when does that time come now? Oh, it's going to get tough now. I, I don't recall a period of time, and you know, I'm doing this a long time, you're doing this a relatively long time, when you're raising interest rates in the face of an imminent recession. Mm-hmm. So you're going to make things so much worse than they are right now. Matter of fact, I told the client yesterday, I'm sort of surprised that the market is holding up as well as it is. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of disastrous things going on and we have no real clear leadership across the board to give us at least the truth. Um, so I don't know how it's all going to um, play out, but I understand and we understand how tough this is for everybody as they go through this situation and not only in portfolios, but obviously just trying to make day-to-day expenses. So we're going to give you some after this segment, some, hey, what kind of money tips can we give you in a, in a bear market um, overall? But I, I, again, I, I'm with you, but we, uh, we have industrial production. We have leading indexes today, or I don't know what we can call them leading anymore, but we have some information out today, some, uh, and we have futures up this morning. Uh, as well. We'll see how long that happens to last. No one really wants to be long throughout the weekend. Well, especially a long weekend, right? Right. Markets close Monday. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens, but it would be nice to get some type of rally that actually holds. Yes. And and I think we're going to be due for one here at some point. Um, But man, I mean, the moment we get any type of signal that things look like we're going to have a little bit of an uptrend, this thing just falters quick. Mm Mm-hmm. Boy, the YouTube, the YouTube crowd is like they've had their breakfast this morning on with, fire. S- with supercharged Cheerios. You all love me, don't you? I see all the love for all my wonderful economic prognostications. Yeah, and there are a lot of good comments there, too. Everything is political at this point. Fed is not unbiased or logical. Any age. That's absolutely true. If we could just get the politics out of everything and do what's right, maybe we can get this ship righted. But we know bear markets don't last as long as bull markets, but man, are they devastating. And I agree with Lance. You're just raising rates to where you're going to be lowering them again, right, Danny? Well, that's exactly right. And it's just a matter of how, how quickly can they do it without causing the so much financial instability, which I think we're beginning to already see if we ha- we're not already there. Yeah. And that's the problem is that they don't have much of a runway here. 
Um, you know, if you look at all these numbers that in all the CEO sentiment, consumer sentiment, mm -hmm. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And now we're beginning to see more and more companies that are coming out and saying, hey, we're reducing prices because of a, a glutton inventory. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there was a recent study, uh, a survey by the conference board. More than 60% of CEOs expect a recession in their geographic regions in the next 12 to 18 months, according to a survey of 750 CEOs and other C-suite executives. Yeah. And no one's going to do a darn thing about any of it. You are on your own. Well, we're here. And I'm here for you, too. I feel like psycho. Like I got all these voices in my head this morning. Okay, there goes the YouTube crew. It'll be going crazy this morning. Hey, we get back. Money tips. You know, what do households do? We know the recession's coming, or at least it's close to coming. And um, we're going to have other situations to deal with financially. So what are some of your tips, YouTubers, on saving money? We get back. Financial Fitness Friday. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hurricane season is here. And along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance. Unfortunately, flood insurance rates have skyrocketed. Don't be at risk. Let the specialists at RIA Insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible. Another service from realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. You know, when there's gloom and doom out there, households make maybe perhaps different financial decisions compared to when times are sunny and rosy. I think um, one of our tendencies, Danny, is, is to pull in, right? Pull in the reins, check our budget, increase household cash flow. Yeah, our jobs are safe for now, but we know layoffs are coming, everybody. It's, gonna, it's inevitable. Um, so thought it would be good. Hey, how do you step back and look at this from a household perspective? Obviously, these sour animal spirits do creep into things. And what I noticed right away, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but people want to pay off their debts faster. You know, they want to accelerate the pay down of their debts. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But I noticed that perhaps you have to keep in mind that liquidity is very very important. And if you're using all your liquidity to pay down your debts through a storm like this and you need cash, that may be a bad decision. Uh, if you have a financial vulnerability cushion, as Danny and I talk about, you know, six, first six months, emergency reserves, you know, the air conditioner breaks down, the next six months that you save, someone's lost a job, somebody's ill. That's so, you know, that's a good thing. So you may decide that, hey, I want to take some of this money. I think my job is secure and I have X amount in credit card debt, uh, automobile debt, and I just would like to wipe it out. That's okay. 
if you have 12 and you want to go down to eight months, that's fine. But I think you always have to make sure. I think liquidity is key through household liquidity through periods like this, don't you? I, I agree. I think that a lot of people are looking for, you know, what's that rule of thumb? And it's going to be a little bit different for each person in the sense of what type of job are do you have? Mm -hmm. If you're commissioned, if you're in a, a, an industry that's pretty volatile where layoffs are, are semi-frequent, semi uh -huh. those are things to be considered. If you're a professor tenure, uh, you're a professor who's tenured, that may look a little bit different. You may not sure. need as much <clears throat> in that emergency reserve cushion and depending on if you have if you and a spouse are both working so lots of variables here to take in consideration but i would think that you know number one you want to make sure that you have those emergency funds set up mm -hmm. something with that financial vulnerability cushion as well then you can start aggressively paying down debt you're still paying it all along the way but i think people get that sequence wrong so often yeah. that we're so we're taught to just pay down debt pay it down pay it down pay it down which is great but on the flip side, let's make sure that in the event any of these other events occur, that you can be protected. Yeah, and you also maybe want to prioritize your debt. Correct. Right? Look at your interest rates. Obviously, I don't think a lot of our audience has sticks with outstanding credit card debt, but yes, hey, that's a no-brainer. Well, if you I do, you maybe transfer a balance to something that has zero uh -huh. interest for right. you know 12 to 24 months. There are credit cards that allow that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's simple little moves that you can make to decrease the amount of payments that you're going to have to go that's going towards interest. I mean, that's the problem, right? I mean, the, the snowball effect with credit, and especially in this environment, I mean, we think, talk about people getting hit. You've got a double whammy here. You have, you have interest rates increasing now. Mm -hmm. So now all this variable debt, you're going to be paying more on. Absolutely. And you've had the inflation that you've had to deal with. Yep. So people are getting hit from both sides now, which is, you know, so so this is a time where you have to be extremely deliberate as far as what you're doing, how you're paying things. Like you mentioned, prioritize because I, I'm a, I'm with you. I'm unfortunately afraid we're going to start to see layoffs. We're mm -hmm. beginning to, beginning to hear more and more about it. Tesla's talked about it. Amazon's talked about yep. it. Uh, we're going to hear quite a bit more. You know, new report: seventy five percent of CEOs think we're already in mm -hmm. a recession or we'll be in one. That's not a good sign. And the first thing they're going to do is they look at two things. They look at marketing <clears throat> and they look at headcount, right? Yeah. And now it may be that, hey, we need our employees, right? We've been in a period where we do need them. But guess what? We're not, you're not going to see the raises that you did. <clears throat> you're not going to see 5%, 6%, even though it's not the rate of inflation, but raises had been, had been decent. But now people might, you know, companies might say, listen, we got to tighten our belts, no, you know, no raises, no bonuses, but be thankful you have a job. So your next step might be, hey, I'm going to really analyze my spending in my household. If I was going to take this elaborate trip, uh, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to do something closer to home. I think controlling spending, if you're going to spend $500 or more, you really got to go through the process of why. What is it? That, do you need this item? Is this a luxury item or is it something you absolutely require? So really examining your spending and holding off on big expenditures, I think, Danny, is really a good idea. I'm I've been telling everybody for six months, if you don't need to buy a car, if you don't need to buy a house, and just stay put. Wait. Just wait. Just wait. Or sell your car in your house, rent, and hopefully you have a great opportunity ahead of you. Yeah, I could live in a tiny house in the woods. I'm going to have to the way things are going because this whole world, the way it's working, ain't working for me.
So, um, but, you know, Danny, you've said this before, that people tend to look at their budgets during times of distress when you should always be looking at this um, and preparing for a storm because that cycles happen. And I think we're actually going to let this cycle happen, Danny. Like, we've prevented recessions in the past. Now the Fed's in a corner. They can't do a darn thing. They're going to have to continue to do. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the thick of it. It's just how long can they continue to do what they're doing? I mean, you know, yeah. we talked about the economy breaking, and I, I think that those numbers are we're beginning to see more and more of that. It's it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out and what the Fed does. How quickly can they pivot from what they're doing now, which I think we know they could do it very quickly. But are they going to want to? Yeah. I mean, you're you have very few arrows in your quiver. I don't think there's any arrows. I mean, anything you do right now is only to stimulate the stock market, and you've got more important uh, enemies to slay. So well, the that, interesting thing is everybody thinks that the mandate is to take a recession out of the business cycle, and I hate to tell everybody <laughs> that's just not going to be the case. It's the COVID zero of recession. Yeah, for some reason, you're supposed to always prevent a recession. When it, I think Elon Musk said it, right? If a recession's coming, it's actually not maybe a bad thing. It's a cleansing process, right? It gets gets the zombie companies out, but we never let cycles occur. Well, that's the problem, right? Reason. So I heard I heard something I thought was a really good way to put it. I said, look, we're just restoring value back into the markets, and, and so think about that. You're restoring true value back into it because you're getting rid of all that excess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you're repricing. You're repricing. Remember we said, we've been saying, and we said it a lot last year, that the prices of everything, prices are distorted. You know, maybe once in a while it's a sector, it's a particular area, but now it was everything. It was housing, it was crypto, it was stocks, it it was everything you touched. You've got to cleanse this system, as painful as it is. And get back to Danny where, like you said, what is the true value of things? That's why how you invest your money over the next decade could be very, very different compared to how you did at the prior 10, where it's not momentum and liquidity based. You actually have to do your homework. You actually have to understand what companies do and free cash flow and all these things you don't really want to do. You may have to do it now. Passive indexing may not work as well in the next 10 years as it did in the past 10 years. So your advisors better be well-tuned on cycles and investments because it's going to be more difficult. Well, this is another reason to have cash on hand because it does give you that opportunity. Number Mm -hmm. one, it's going to give you some, some safety. And look, this thing could turn around. There could be a number of events that would occur that would that could prop this thing back up for a bit. And that doesn't mean that things are changing. No. And, and, and Lance has said it. I mean, in bear markets, you get some of the best bounces ever. Yeah. But those are bear market bounces. These are reflexive bounces. This is not the start of a new trend. Right. And you have better. I told someone yesterday. And well, I've told a lot of people yesterday, listen, you have better opportunities to rebalance your portfolio than today. But we are stuck in recency bias where we think that whatever situation is occurring now will continue indefinitely. That's not true. You got to break that chain in your head that you do get huge bounces during bear cycles. Those are your, and you might think, oh, 
see, it's over. This is the start of something big. Well, that's the problem with most of those bounces. Right. If you get one Makes of you <laughs> feel good because listen, I think markets are inherently bullish. Yeah. I think people are inherently positive, right? They want to think that it's over now. The storm is over. Things are going to recover. It's going to be great. No, <clears throat> you might just be in the eye of the storm and you're going to get whipsawed on the other side of it. Right. And that's what we think it is right now. You, you don't, <clears throat> you don't fight the fed. I'll never forget in 2010 telling clients that when they thought the whole world was coming to an end, I would never invest again. And I'm like, listen, you don't fight the Fed, regardless of anything else. It happened during the Depression. People were living in, you know, Hoover towns and bread lines, and the stock market was going up through a period because of cooperative policies. Now you don't have that anymore. So this cleansing or this detoxification is going to be painful, especially for investors, Danny, that just got in during this bull cycle and think markets only go up or the Fed is always there to bail you out. Well, and, and you know, for somebody like that, I think it's probably <laughs> difficult to say, oh, man, we made a mistake. I shouldn't have gotten in. Mm -hmm. And that's the toughest part about investing is that so many times we make an all or nothing strategy. We get all the way out, all the way in, and it's not at the right times, right? And so I think just take a, take a step back, understand where you are, understand what type of cash you have on hand, mm -hmm. what you have the opportunity to do here in the not so distant future. And I, I feel optimistic about it. I mean, I really do in light of all this, if we can get back to a place where we can, we can pick up some of these companies at much better valuations, <laughs> if we're gonna see them make a turn and they're going to have to decrease interest rates, bonds will do well. I think there's gonna be some significant opportunities here that Hopefully you can take advantage of. Yeah, we get back. We're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk about that opportunities and what to do about your portfolio here on the Financial Fitness Friday Show. Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. I'm not buying that Lance was looking into solar panels. I, I'm sorry. I, unless he's using them for target practice, I don't see Lance Roberts with solar panels on his house. I don't think that's a bad thing. But what I'm saying is, I, I can see them with little targets on them and him having a target party. Speaking, I think, I think he looked at him, but I think he, uh, he did the math and realized that 
he'd have to stay in one place for like 63 years or something crazy. Oh, yeah, but eventually you'll save money. No, I think it was 36, actually, but it was, Who it was actually, quite a while. If, when I see solar panels on a house, I know I'm dealing with a house that's probably financially illiterate. Now, they have other intentions that are good, but they're not going to save money. They're just not. And I will tell you what happens to those things in Texas. They scream and then they go on fire. <laughs> they beg for mercy on that roof. You ever put up a little solar power, uh, powered um, light in your front yard? And then after a year you go and you look at it and the top of it is like, I've decided to end my life. The sun is so, why am I asking the sun to come into me in Texas? It's too much of a good thing. So um, it's just sort of funny how those solar things sort of burn out here um, overall. So, well, <clears throat> but if you're looking for solar panels or anything else, uh, Target, Walmart, Macy's, look, goods are finally coming in after two years. So, you know, you might see some really good sales. So how you spend your money Keep in mind, with bloated inventories, you want to buy something, you will get better prices to do it. Isn't that nice? Like if you want sweatpants in Texas in July, you can get them. <laughs> in a rainbow I'm of I'm sweating colors. just thinking about it. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> or couches. So, you know, again, retailer is going to have an issue with bloated inventory. And they're going to have to cut prices. And they're going to have to worry about margins. Companies are going to have to worry about margins here, right? We have producer price index uh, was up 10%. Uh, you cannot pass this on to the consumer. You're going to eat it. And you know what, Danny? The analysts are always sludgy late, revising estimates down for the S&P 500. But they better get to work. Because this is going to be a problem. I'd love to see that chart. Lance did one a long time ago, several years back, on the analysts that were, you know, what, what they actually did. Was it a buy? Was it a sell? Was it a hold? Uh -huh. And like 90-something percent of them were all buys. Always. In, Always. In every market. But the game has changed with a lot of these guys because what happens now is they don't get access to these companies if they have a negative rating on them. I know. So that's why you have to really take a lot of these things with a grain of salt. Like you mentioned earlier, actually begin to do some homework and understand, does this company have any free cash flow? What do the fundamentals look like here? I think it's going to be so much more important in the future. And, you know, we're not going to be able to rely on these old school, you know, buy or sell side of these investment banks. The funniest part was like in around the mid thousands, two thousands is uh, there was um, you would have a buy, sell, and there was something called a weak hold. <laughs> what the heck is that? A weak, weak hold? Is that like a, f a frail grasp on reality? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, what exactly yeah. are you trying to tell me here? Stronghold. Does that mean it's about to be downgraded? I yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know if you go to your wife and so your husband and go, hey, honey, we're going to play weak hold tonight. I don't think that's going to work. Wall Street, the dumbest yet the smartest marketers in the world, <clears throat> let me tell you. And now this whole ESG is coming back to bite everybody 
Lance wrote about it first, everybody. Sorry, but he did. Wrote about how this was a scam, bunch of crap, and now now the SEC is looking at it, and ESG is because they don't have, say, oil and gas, and that's been the best performer uh, out there for the year. Now everybody's questioning why they got into ESG funds. So now Wall Street will create the anti-ESG well, there is, there is already that one anti-woke fund, right? Wall Street can, couldn't care less about what side of the political aisle you're on. They're going to exploit you Either regardless. Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the anti. No, I think there's also like the anti-ESG. Uh, what is that, uh, the S&P 500? Which is the <laughs> same thing as the ESG fund. <gasps> They're identical, just two separate names and yeah, and one is one is like fifty percent more in internal costs, but you know you're doing the right thing for the environment. You and your solar panels and your ESG and no money in the bank. That that's really going to work for you. But hey, you know, you saved the bunnies. Oh, maybe you didn't. Um, so if you want to, so that's another thing you want to spend money. You know, there's some things you would like to do around the house and so forth. Prices are going to come to you. Be patient. If you know about these bloated inventories, if you know that recession's coming and you have enough cash and you need to make a purchase, you certainly can. I was reading, I think auto sales are off quite a bit last month, weren't they? They were, yeah. Used autos have been coming down quite a bit. We're beginning to see some of these prices that were the stickier part of the inflationary front mm -hmm. are beginning to come down some. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, we've been talking about maybe we've hit peak inflation. Um, I think we're probably going to see that these higher rates are starting to kill it. But you know what, Danny? I think on like, not that an automobile purchase is unnecessary, but the most important things we want to see relief, areas that we want to see relief, food and energy prices, Right. Yeah, and we may not see as much relief in those prices. One is because of what's going on in Ukraine to some degree. And of course, we have an administration that stands in our way when it comes to energy. And a piece I wrote a couple of years ago, I was worried that the, the uh, more cyclical or non-sticky uh, areas of the CPI would become more sticky when it comes to inflation because we still might see for the most important things we use every day, prices remain higher. Yes, inflation will ebb. We'll see, we'll, see it, we'll see it go the other way. But what did Powell, what else did Powell say the other day about the two, they're still using that 2% target. We're going to stick with that 2% target no matter what. We're going to make you believe that. We're just going to keep saying it until you believe that that's our target rate. Well, the target prior so, to that was three to four. They could never get that to materialize. They said, shoot, we'll lower the bar. It'll make everybody look good. We'll, we'll move it to two. And then we couldn't do that but until Powell we see a pandemic. Powell still, I think, is convinced by yeah. 2024, we're back into that 2% target range. And I understand, I, I, I want to avoid recency bias myself, but with all the stuff going on um, logistically and with all the issues with energy, do you realistically see 2% in 2024? No. No, I could see four. Yeah. Uh, I could see three and a half, 
But if you're, and, and this is a problem I'm going to have, Danny, I think we're going to have for next year. When it comes to financial plans, what do we do at our inflation rates next year? Uh, what's sticky? What's not sticky? We've raised them up already earlier. Uh, actually, last year, we increased our inflation rates and our base rate in our financial plans. But I'm worried about it maybe having to do it again in January. Because I'm just having a tough time to believe that the, uh, we're, that the sticky prices, I mean, yeah, things that are not sticky, we're going to see move down in price. But things that we thought maybe would be more cyclical, like energy prices, maybe they're going to be higher for a longer period of time because of initiatives that we have going on out there. Well, that's the thing. We got to we, we tie this all back to energy. I think you're going to see that that this mm-hmm. is a bigger problem that is going to be stickier unless we make any types of, you know, investments. Correct. <laughs> and and that's the thing. Well, it was interesting. You know, Exxon's been getting beat up on quite a bit. They actually fought back this last week. Oh, they did a good job. I think they even referenced how much they've spent in. It was like fifty billion dollars in, in new investments. And development. Yeah. How much they lost the year prior. How much they've put in. Um, you know, even when they were losing money. Yeah. Correct. But it would be helpful if they had an administration or that was sort of cooperative as opposed to initiatives against it. So, uh, again, yeah, I thought it was a great response. I don't think it does anything, but I think it was a great response um, overall. So we'll have to see. So watching your budget in, in your household, making sure you're doing the right things overall to manage your prices. Now, about your portfolio, Danny. I'm 25 years old and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm contributing to my plan and all I see is everything going down. You know, what, what should I do? Well, I mean, it depends. It depends how you're invested right now and, and what you're willing to withstand. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're 25 years old, it's probably much different than somebody if you're 55 or 65. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big difference in the sense of when do you need these funds? Now, if you're 25, I think you're going to have a really nice opportunity to put a lot of funds to work. Yeah. You know, most people are going to say, hey, buy and hold, set it and forget it. And you know what? You probably can. But my thought is, is if we're going to take a road trip and a car is going to break down, let's go switch cars or let's prepare for what we what's going to happen next. And I think that's what a lot of people fail to remember or they're just never told or taught. Yep. Okay. So maybe you're 65. What do you do then? We're going to talk about that when we return. Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hurricane season is here. And along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance. Unfortunately, flood insurance rates have skyrocketed. Don't be at risk. Let the specialists at RIA Insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible. Another service from realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
welcome to our last segment. We hope you all have a very restful weekend. Just don't fall asleep in the yard here in Texas because you're going to wind up like one of the tops of those solar lights. Or dead. Burned it to a crisp. <laughs> Burned to a crisp. When I take those solar lights out of the box, I can hear them go, no, no, don't do it. Amazon drops them off and they scream. They went, wrong address. <laughs> wrong address. <laughs> oh, my God, man, it's been hot. Let me just tell you. How hot has it been? No, but it's been. It's been so hot, my electric bill doubled in one month. No changes to the thermostat, just doubled in one month. Well, because your AC doesn't stop. Right. It's, well, you got to keep that puppy cool. And that was only May. Yeah. I haven't got June's bill yet. Oh, yeah, in June. Man, it got so much hotter this Mm -hmm. year, so much quicker. And that haze out there, is that still the... The Saharan dust. Is that still the dust? It makes it even feel Mm -hmm. even more... You can hear it in my voice. (laughs) <laughs> but you get naturally exfoliated, you know, when you walk outside. Yeah, you sure do. It is brutal. What is, you know, what are they saying that if uh, people who just moved to Texas, mm-hmm. we still have the summer to come. So we're oh, in yeah, pre- this is, we're this in is preheating. The warm-up act. <laughs> no pun intended. Although I can't imagine it being hotter in August than it is right well, now. Stick around, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> You've been here how long? <clears throat> well, I want to go to the Luling Watermelon Thump <laughs> in a couple of weeks. And it's usually like 111. Yeah, you may I want can't to... imagine until it's like 150. You might want to crawl inside a watermelon. <laughs> the watermelons are boiling. <laughs> oh, man. It's hot. It's hot. We're just trying to relate it. So try to stay as cool as possible. Don't watch the news. Right? Read a nice book about something else. Right? Do something that makes you healthy and happy for Father's Day, especially. Do you ever see, do you ever see these uh, cartoons that show mom, what mom gets for Mother's Day, and the kid goes, I got you candy, I got you this, breakfast in bed. And then it says Father's Day, and the, and the guy's just holding a balloon. I got you a card, socks. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing for Father's Day? I have no idea. Dan. No? None. Daddy's here. Daddy's on the phone with clients on Father's Day. <laughs> hey, you know, that, that may not be too, too off track. Too far from the truth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. If you're upset because I'm late with my iced coffee, just know that in a, it's a much better situation for you than me being on time without one. Just saying. <laughs> Do they make iced coffee? for What's that, what's that, that black death you drink? Uh, yes, there is a Death Wish cold brew that you can get. You see, that I have uh, not had. Hmm? I have not had that one. Death Wish cold brew, yeah. My friend Charlie Gasparino, he's on Fox. Yeah. He's, he posts on, uh, on his Facebook page, I just had this amazing coffee because he's somewhere else now. I can't remember if he's in Florida. So. Yeah. Death Wish. Ah. He's like, this is, you know, they don't, I guess they don't have it as much in New York. Well, it is good. I mean, if you... It's outstanding. Yeah. You like black coffee? It's not, doesn't have the acid. I doesn't mean, need a mug. Wait a second. Are we doing a commercial? Yeah. We do. What is, what's wait, going I'll, on? I'll we clip do, this and, send it to and, him. and Mr. Black Coffee Company, sir, <laughs> we do need coffee in our break room badly. We're out of supplies. So if you would like to send us a case, we'll be happy to keep talking about you. 
Um, Pay for play. Hey, listen, nothing's free. So I'm 65 years old, 70 years old, Danny, and I'm withdrawing my portfo- money from my portfolio. And I've told that this whole 4% rule is the best thing in the world, even though I'm down 10 uh, 9%, and I'm going to take out another 4%. Or am I going to really possibly look to do something different? Before I answer that, how many calls have you had this week where people were saying and retirees are saying, and they're very smart, you know, I think I'm going to find a way to cut my withdrawals this year mm-hmm. or at least not increase them. So if you are retired and living off your variable assets, understand you don't take a fixed percentage from variable assets and not examine the environment that you're in. Yeah, I think people are very intuitive when it comes to this, especially in this type of environment where, you know, I am having a lot of those calls where they're saying, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not taking the trip that I was going to take. Or mm-hmm. let's just go ahead and make that reduction. We're not, yes. uh, gas is too high. We're not going to travel mm-hmm. uh, by vehicle or airplane tickets are too expensive. And a lot of times it's people who can't afford it and they're just saying, you know what? We're going to go ahead. It just doesn't feel right. So we're going to stop a little bit, take a step back, and then we'll revisit it. And so I think that's something, though, Rich, that we need to do on a more consistent basis, not just in light of a bear market or a recession, Mm -hmm. just to get a better feeling and understanding as far as where money goes, how we're spending it, and to keep us on track. That's one of the bigger problems. And I know, you know, we visit with people, and a lot of times they'll say, well, I don't want to do a plan. Well, why not? Because I don't want you to tell me how much I can live on. I want to do what I want to do. Well, okay, fair enough. And, And I get that and completely understand that. Well, you know how you do that, Danny? And David Blanchett, one of the best planners out there, said it. Um, You want to spend every dollar that comes in and be mindless to it? Have guaranteed income. Have a guaranteed income product, right? If I get $4,000 a month in guaranteed income, I don't have to worry about my variable assets. I don't have to worry about checking that. I'm going to get a check every month for uh, for $4,000 and I'm going to spend it and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, I might cut my costs, but I'm not going to look at it the same way I'm looking at a variable asset portfolio. Or if I have guaranteed income and I've done the right thing with Social Security, I can possibly cut my distribution from my investment portfolio and it won't really affect my lifestyle adversely because I have guaranteed income. And I think, Danny, I may be wrong, but I think more and more investors heading into retirement over the next 10 years are going to look more at guaranteed income vehicles than they are stocks and bonds. That's my prediction. I I agree because I think in these environments, this is what gives people that that kind of uh, that push towards doing something like this. Just like when you have a loved one who's gone through uh, a long-term care event. Uh-huh. You know, we see people that call and say, "Hey, I need to look at this. This is terrible. I'm seeing the cost, or I'm seeing I'm having to go out and do this, or I know we have X amount of money left for my my mother or mother-in-law," and then that gives people that big push. Unfortunately, a lot of times when it would be really beneficial is to do it prior to these events. Yes, but this is where I I believe that as people get emotional, we historically buy things on emotion. So you need to be very cautious. This is where Rich and I always tell people, go back to your plan. What does your plan say? What do you actually need? And and not necessarily maybe just want. And, I, and it's okay to have a little bit of both. Yes. The problem is 
is, um, man, I was in the car a couple weekends ago, uh-huh. and uh, there's an annuity show on. Basically, I'm, well, the guy said he did a little bit of everything, but it was it was more or less saying annuities. And he said, "Look, you could, you want to call me and put everything you have in an annuity? Great. You have your your four hundred one k. We'll put it all in there." Mm-hmm. And that's not always the best case. In fact, most of the time, that's probably not the best case. It's never like we said about it's all or it's never all or none when it comes to investing. Even though people want to do that, it's never all or none on how you put together your guaranteed income stream or your overall income stream. Right. They used to talk about this three legged stool, Social Security, pension and investments. Right. But we don't have many people don't have that pension leg of the stool. We have two legs of the stool. So you should be still for most people looking to create that third leg, that guaranteed income leg. And like you said, Danny, it's a combination of things depending upon your withdrawal rate, how much you need in retirement. So you'd need all three. The unfortunate part is you have to be responsible. You have to be responsible for creating your own pension. And you don't do that from variable assets. You just don't. No, but, I mean, you can, but it's going to look a little bit different than what most are going to Well, you're going to have to examine your withdrawal rates. You're going to have to look at over your withdrawal. Now, if you're going through a sequence of return storm right now, right, where you're going through a period of time here where you're going to get much lower returns, which I think is happening over the next decade, you're going to have to either do a few things. You're going to have to work longer, reset your expectations, live smaller. If you're just using investment assets to meet your income goals, Along with, of course, we always say doing the right things with Social Security and making sure you're planning properly for it. When the whole panacea, the whole world is the 401k is the best thing ever, it's really not. It's really not. It's great to have it and you should be investing in it, but you need to do other things outside of that. Diversifying your income stream and your accounts is always so important for someone looking to retire. Yeah, I think that's the big the big key, right? We talk about what do successful people do? They have those multiple sources of income. And, you know, setting it uh-huh. up, you typically want to do that far in advance if you can. And now we are seeing that the access to these types of things is getting better. And it's not just where it's a necessarily a one-trick pony. There's lots of different ways to look at these things to really put together a plan that encompasses all of these things because I think it's really important to have that additional income coming that's guaranteed, to understand what Social Security looks like, right. to understand how you take withdrawals. Yes. And in a market environment like this, maybe you do pull back and it's not going to impact you as much because you're doing so with those non-discretionary expenses or the discretionary, not your non-discretionary expenses. But it starts with a financial helpful. plan to know right. how your income is going to be derived and how much long you're going to, how long you're going to live and do you have enough assets to cover your entire lifespan. Hey, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for sticking with us.